I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. And now, it's the rest stop. Brad Restituto. Comes up to the pocket. Fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Welcome to the rest stop on this November 3rd, Tuesday, 2020, election 2020 edition of the rest stop. I'm Brad Restituto with you as always and accompanying me as always every Tuesday and Thursday, Spencer the Wiz. And Spence, uh, as we get it going here, uh, this is the big day. This is the big day of the year. I've already gone out and voted. Uh, You will vote today uh, as the You'll already have your voting as this show records. Um, the line where I was at was fairly full, of a diverse group of people. But uh, this has been the big talking point for quite some time. And a more divided country, I believe, as far as uh, presidential candidacy than I've ever seen. This is the first time ever I've gone out and voted, Spence. And I sent you some video earlier. Is that something you're able to play for uh, the listeners and for myself right now? Or yeah, the video you sent me was like really small. It was kind of weird. So it is like I, if I were to play it, it, w- it would just be the quality would be too low. But uh, it was a good video. <laughs> you just kind of introduced yourself. It seemed like there was a lot of people. Actually, I was going to ask you about that. How long did it take you to vote? I, I think it took me about an hour, hour and fifteen minutes. It wasn't as bad as I thought. Uh, and of course, here in Las Vegas, where me and Spencer are at, uh, for November third, quite it was a little warm today. I would say in really? the 80s, definitely could feel the sun. And look, the, the weather's great here in Vegas. We're not freezing and it's still fairly warm. I know it's going to get cooler this week, but uh, nice voting weather. And like I said, a, a diverse group of crowd out there. And Spence, this was the first time in my 30 plus plus years on this planet that I've ever voted. So I'm proud of myself. Um, now I've got to ask you a quick question. When, when you go out and vote, and it has all of these judges with nobody that they're going against. Uh, I left a lot of this blank. I don't know enough research on some of these judges. I'm not going to put my vote for people I don't know. And if they're not running against anybody. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that, Spence? No, I think that's really responsible of you to do. And I really think it's a failure. Well, 
I don't know if it's a failure because I guess the, the information is technically out there for us, but it's not homogenized, meaning there isn't one place I think you can go to to kind of find out everything. And if there is, it's not, it should be public knowledge. It's You can ask basically anybody. I'm sure 99% of the people will say, I have no idea where to go find information like that. Really, it comes down to, you know, you personally know somebody. And yeah, like you said, right. there's also those who run by themselves and it just feels weird to vote for them anyways because you're not voting against anybody. But yeah, I mean, it feels like at the very least what they could do is in college classes, maybe have a required course. I mean, I took a Nevada constitution class when I started college or even in high school. Like if you can teach the kids how to find the information, at least because I can say I went to high school in uh, Las Vegas. That was never anything. I did learn social studies, but they're usually very historical. We never learned about local elections. And I guess the worry is that it gets too political in the classroom. But I don't know. I mean, the fact that nobody knows about it now and I don't see it improving in the future, I, I just feel like something has to change in that regard. Spence, I'll tell you one thing I, I, I looked for because some of the commercials were uh, really rampant on my end for Dan Rodimer I th- and who he's going against. I don't remember seeing him and his opponent on the ballot. I don't know if it's because I was scrolling too quickly, but I was particularly looking for him and his opponent and did not see them. Uh, so... You it know, could be it, was, uh, uh, it could be your district, so you don't you can't vote on everything. There are some res- um, area restricted voting, so it would be specific to you. Because uh, if you got your mail in ballot, I'm sure it would be missing on that too. I could be mistaken on that, but that's my guess in terms of why you didn't that's, see that. That's a great observation, Spence. And I'm like I said, since it's my first time voting, uh, and I'm not a big politics guy to be honest with you, I'm not as well versed in, in some of the intricacies that go involved with this. I, what I did take pride in this year, Spence, locally is the local stuff to vote on, like uh, number one, number two, number six, uh, the things that were really going to impact locally, the legislation, the schooling. Uh, the uh, thoughts on same-sex marriage, those things. So I really want, really, it was my main driving force to really getting out and voting this year, honestly, Spence, was I want to be involved in what I can change locally. Um, Even though there wasn't a whole bunch of things on the ballot that moved me intensely locally this year, uh, I wanted to do that. And I want to be a part of that. Um, You know, I I feel like I've made some of my points that I, I feel like both of the uh, candidates aren't people I favor, not only as individuals, but as uh, attempted politicians. Uh, and, and a lot of my disdain politically goes from a, a lot of the things that us as, as people want to see change have never been changed and never will change as long as the system is in place the way it is. Um, so I know people are very divided and very outspoken on who they think should be the leader of the free world in this country. I think I still believe a lot of it's a sham and it's a joke and it's embarrassing that these are the people that represent us as Americans. And it really sells short the intellect, the the charisma, um, the different characteristics that a lot Americans possess that could be in leadership positions and that this is all we have to choose from. It just speaks loudly to me, the corruption, the bias that's intrinsically uh, set in stone in how our po- politics are currently running it quite frankly to me it's disgusting uh, but I wanted to get out and vote um, and and I wanted to be involved locally that was my main driving force Spence yeah I, I can understand that how it can be frustrating sometimes but nothing will change unless you cast your vote so it really just comes down to who you believe the most and you also have to understand that to to become in that spot like for either of the candidates here they had to make a lot of sacrifices I'm sure every not everything they've said is something that they necessarily believe. <laughs> you know, at times it's something that is 
you just have to do to get to that place. So really you're just putting in the hope that once they actually stop in office, they'll be able to do something. But to take it a step further as well, I, I think people maybe depend on the election a little too much for to, in order to like influence their lives when in reality, you know, we're in control of our lives for the most part. There are some things you can't change, but uh, if, if you want to look at the positive things about the things that you can change in your life, you know, helping someone who really needs help at the time, you know, not just arguing over social media. How about like going to feed somebody who doesn't have a home or give something as simple as giving your significant other a hug and telling them how much you mean to them. Like those are the things that we can do on a day to day basis uh, to get a little bit away from the election for a second. But yeah. No, I, I completely agree, Spence. And, and I've been on other airwaves here locally and, and had conversations with other people. It does frustrate me when people that do have a platform on radio or media and they can reach a lot of people cry out for the social justices that me and you have spoke on, that athletes have spoke on, other people have spoke on. Uh, and they, they come off as very engaged and passionate about but those same people won't lend a hand to somebody in their own workplace or somebody that they know personally or somebody that's dealing with an addiction in their own home or financially having issues in their own home, in their own neighborhood, their own community. They won't do anything for, but they want to go and preach how on a global or a larger level, how, how you know, outraged they are. To me, it's, it's infuriating. It's uh, beyond hypocritical when people do that. Um, you know, I had to work at a grocery store during the middle of this pandemic because I had no trust that I was going to have any income coming in. Uh, and not not only was that a way for me to pay my bills during the time, but it was a way for me to offer services during this time of uncertainty and bring an attitude and an actual impact uh, directly. Uh, and I would do things out of my means to help people I interacted with just to show them the love uh, that maybe they questioned during a time of civil unrest and, and a pandemic that was taking people's jobs and livelihoods and roofs over their head and food in their children's mouth. So um, you make a great point, Spence, and I'm on board with you. Uh, we really have to look first in the mirror what we can do in our own household and then closely within our friends and family, our direct people that we're in contact with uh, more than once every blue moon and then inside our community. So you make a lot of good points and look, we're, we're in the time of the holiday season and there will be places for people to go out here locally and really impact our community here in Las Vegas. But not only if you're not here in Las Vegas listening, but if you're out on the East coast or anywhere else, um, if you could just start within your home and look, we all have to practice what we, what we preach every day. Uh, some, some, sometimes we're not as consistent as we'd like to be, but as long as we get that word out there and we can self-reflect on ways we can impact our own homes and then our friends and family, and then the people in our communities, that's where it starts. And I think you mentioned that also Spence. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, there's always something you can do for sure. And I, I can even say for myself, I have to be better too, you know, and especially when I graduate, I'm, I'm hoping that I can use some of that energy that I take into my studies. Like I had an exam this morning. I think I spent 15 hours in the past two days studying for it. I would love to take that time to work on myself, to help others and stuff like that. So um, it starts with yourself and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say here, I have to do more. Well, there you have it, Spence. Let's get into football for this past weekend and most notably NFL. And let's start with last night's game as uh, it surprised some people. Uh, I was actually on the right side of this one for once, Spence, as, as I've noticed the New York Giants and a couple of the last primetime games they've been a part of 
whether it's Sunday night, Thursday night, or last night, Monday night, uh, they play really well. And um, the Giants were really competitive. And we talk about Daniel Jones and some of his blunders, but the guy, aside from being turnover prone, he does have his moments where he can make some plays. I think the Di- the Giants' defense uh, were really at the forefront of keeping that game close. And, of course, how could you expect Tampa Bay not to just a little bit maybe overlook a Giants team uh, who has one win on the season? Uh, but they played hard. They played well. And they were competitive most of the way. They The game went back and forth. The Giants had their opportunities And there at the end, a controversial flag that was thrown on a two-point conversion that would have tied the game and most likely sent it to overtime. The officials huddled up. They decided no flag. And Tampa Bay gets the win 25-23, a big number. And we had some moments here in our picks this week, Spencer, at least I did, where I had some some dogs that came through. The Giants were probably uh, a nice one that, that did cover. They had an opportunity to win that game in moments. Uh, but Tom Brady and, and the Buccaneers were, were more consistent from top to bottom, and they ended up getting the win 25-23 in a hard-fought Monday night game. Uh, nice win for the Bucs. The Giants were competitive. What were your thoughts on, on the game, Spence? Yeah, I'll address the penalty first. It, it really was one of the closest calls I've seen this season, too. I, I can see it going either way. I mean, they did talk about it extensively. Ultimately, I think the decision was that it hit his arm, his forearm. So it counts as a deflection, I guess, in a sense. And if you look, he did turn his head kind of the last second, although it's really one of those bang-bang plays. Uh, Yeah, so I'm going to say no penalty. I'm going to go ahead and agree with referees. But the game almost went exactly how I said it would, but not really. I said Daniel Jones is good for two turnovers, and what do you know he did? Although I will say Daniel Jones is the reason I won my fantasy. I was playing against the Buccaneers' defense. And that conversion on fourth down, obviously, and then the touchdown helped me win by a half a point in fantasy this week. I don't know. I mean, the Buccaneers seem to find a way every once in a while to play inconsistently, especially that Bears game. Games that they shouldn't be close in, and then other times they'll blow out teams that they should blow out, like the Chargers, even though they came back in that game. So, I don't know. I mean, really, this game is, to me, it was about Daniel Jones and... So you see the spark at the end of the game, but they shouldn't have been in that position, right? Because of the true, true two turnovers. So I, I'm actually curious to ask you if the Giants somehow find a way to be the first pick in the draft, do they take Trevor Lawrence with that pick? Uh, that's a really tough choice. And I, I, I'm glad you asked me that question, Spence. I don't think that there's a way that they'll end up in that number one pick. So I don't think that there's any chance they'll be in that scenario. I think they're too competitive not to win at least three games this year. But I really think it's a tough call. And if I'm putting on my GM cap, I do think Trevor Lawrence is such a generational talent. If you do have an opportunity to take him, regardless of who you are, you take him. And then you figure out what you're going to do um, from there as far as uh, Daniel Jones and the like. Um, I think if you have an opportunity to take Trevor Lawrence, you have to take him. Uh, Even know that there's glaring needs elsewhere. I I think the reason is, Spence, is because you know you're going to have some draft equity with one of those two guys to acquire more picks that is going to help your football team. So if it's if you've made that decision that it's the giant that that it's Daniel Jones that gets traded from there. um, I don't know how you go about it right now, right this second, if you let them compete in the next preseason and, and see how much more value each guy may have. 
based on that. And it's a little looking and forecasting towards the future. If you're going to take that risk and not get that draft equity for Jones the day of the draft. Um, but I still think you take that risk in drafting Trevor Lawrence and then trying to maximize your value for the future with one of those two guys, which more than likely would be Daniel Jones. Even if it's flipping Daniel Jones for a two and a five, maybe. Uh, maybe you get a first-round pick. I, I doubt it. I highly doubt it um, unless there's some serious injury. But even if it's flipping Daniel Jones for a two and a five spent in the future, uh, you're, you still know that you're you're not going to compete for a Super Bowl next year with Trevor Lawrence anyway. So getting that draft equity in 2022 uh, is something I would look towards if that scenario presented itself. I don't think it will. So I think the Giants will be drafting for need in next year's draft. I think they'll have maybe a top 10 pick. Um, but that's that's what I would do if I was a GM. If you have that opportunity to draft Trevor Lawrence, without a doubt, you draft him and, and you go from there. And look, the Miami Dolphins, there is, an, there is a chance they could be in that situation. They have the Houston Texans first-round pick, and the Houston Texans have, I believe, one win on the year, Spence. Um, there's, there is an opportunity that they could be in that position. So, so if you're a Dolphins fan, what do you say to that? Do you not draft, uh, Trevor Lawrence and, and go for need? We know how, how fastly improving the Dolphins are. We know how well coached they are. We've talked about it on this show. I think you still do the same thing. I think you draft Trevor Lawrence wow. for the Dolphins. And I think that you make a move with one of those two guys, but you build yourself for the future. And the Dolphins, if they were in that position, Spence, which it's not out of the realm of impossibility having the Texans pick, that they could be vying to draft Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, I think you make that move and then you utilize one of those two guys, whether it's Tua or the other quarterback as draft equity to build yourself for the future. You're going to have multiple, multiple picks, another first round pick. The Dolphins could be seeing themselves in an amazing position in this upcoming draft. What are your thoughts on that? Wow. I, I did not see the Dolphins coming like in that sense. I think there's no way they would draft Trevor Lawrence, but I can definitely see the advantage now, you're definitely going to get a first-round pick for Tua, like especially if you just sat him down for the rest of the season, which almost might be the best idea because he, he played well enough to get a first-round pick. I don't think you get that for Daniel Jones, so I guess you get the most value out of it. But then you start thinking, like, basically you just wasted a pick on Tua Tagovailoa in a sense. So it almost doesn't feel worth it. I know they have two first-round picks. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see it happening. It would just be too bold. It's It's too abnormal, to be honest with you. Well, Spence, I mean, look, this is the day and age, and I think Trevor Lawrence is that guy. He's a guy that you just absolutely have to take number one, regardless wow. of which team you are. And uh, I think that could be really interesting to see how the dominoes will fall the rest of the season to see who is going to be in that position. I mean, like I said, I have a live ticket on the Jets going 0-16. I think the Jets will be that team that draft number one overall. And I think they're able to flip Sam Darnold for a two, maybe a three. Uh, and I think a team that gets Sam Darnold will be happy with him. I think he, he in another situation, like Minnesota maybe, uh, could be really good for him. Uh, I was really impressed what he did in primetime the last time we saw him with that run. I didn't know that he had that athleticism in him. That being said, with the right surrounding pieces, uh, I think he is as good, if not better situationally and his ceilings higher than a Kirk Cousins. We know what Kirk Cousins can do statistically, uh, but he's not going to get you over that hump 
and win a Super Bowl. So, and I think there's some other QB situations that maybe feel the same way. Maybe the Detroit Lions feel that same way as as they had another uh, disgusting loss this week and losing by 20 plus points as they as they led early and they were playing back and forth. Uh, so just some really interesting games this week, Spence, and how to play out. And of course, today also in the NFL is the draft, uh, not the draft, but the NFL trade deadline. And not a whole lot of excitement up to this point, but a few moves made. The Seattle Seahawks decided to trade for, uh, I, I believe it's Quan Alexander. Am I right on that, Spence? For yes. the uh, uh, New Orleans Saints, a, a starting impactful linebacker, and Kiko Alonso went back uh, in that trade. And then uh, King for for the uh, I forget Chargers. his first name. But yeah, the Desmond, Chargers. I, Desmond I think King. I believe it's Desmond King. Desmond King uh, traded to the Titans, and the Titans, who had a uh, really big loss this past week, uh, Spence moving to Tennessee. Uh, we still got a little time, I think, with the trade deadline to see what happens. It doesn't look like any more big moves are going to be made. No, Jameis Winston on the move. Uh, for the Saints, which nobody's been talking about, but I think could be interesting. A team like the Dallas. Here's the thing, Spence. Every team in the NFC East has an opportunity to win that division. Pretty Two much. wins right now leads that division. So if you're the Dallas Cowboys and you know you have Dak out and you know you could be a quarterback away from hosting a playoff game and not and getting better, why not consider making a move for a quarterback if you're Dallas? I mean, if you're Washington. Who doesn't have a quarterback? Why would you not consider making a move for a quarterback knowing you have an opportunity to host a playoff game? Why not consider that? Is it worth getting blown out in the first round, like giving up assets to get blown out in the first round of the playoffs, though? But if you're Dallas, do you believe that? Do you believe that having Zeke Elliott, who you paid all this money to, having a wide receiver core like Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, uh, Michael Gallup, having an offense that if they can click a little bit, has an opportunity to compete and at home where at that point in the season, you may be able to have some fans not thinking that you can make some noise. I mean, I don't know. I think it's worth consideration. I'm not saying I'd make the move. If you're Dallas, why not, you know, play for a top five pick possibly. Uh, but I thought the Vikings would do that and look what they did this past weekend. So um, it's interesting that we're not seeing more moves, but I guess you've got to consider are you? Do you believe as a franchise that if you get into the playoffs, if you just get in, you have an opportunity to get to the Super Bowl? And I think if you're the Cowboys, you at least have to consider that. You have the pieces on offense to compete. You know your defense isn't that great, but they're getting a little bit better. Trevon Diggs had some nice interceptions in that game where they were competitive uh, for one half against the Eagles. They had an opportunity to be more competitive before their offense kind of imploded. Uh, but they're getting better defensively. I mean, they're nowhere near where they want to be, but we see improving. We see some teams uh, that have struggled on some sides of the ball get better as the season's progressed. Uh, so why not more big moves, Spence, on this trade deadline? I'm sorry, could you repeat the question? I said, why Why not more big splash moves wow. on this trade yeah. deadline? No, without a doubt. I, I do see at least one more. I mean, this – I, these are some of the biggest names I can think of that have been moved. Football is usually pretty quiet when it comes to trade. I, I remember Trent Richardson getting traded to the Colts was a big deal. We also know, obviously that didn't work out, but that, at the time that was one of the biggest moves that we had heard of. Quan Alexander is a is a big difference maker. Carlos Dunlap and and Gakwe was already traded, so it seems like teams are willing to to get some trades in. I think a lot of it comes in with the uncertainty with the cap space, so they right. may be 
they don't i mean they say it's not going to change but i i know these guys are they're billionaires so they're pretty savvy they're definitely predicting a little bit of a hit when it comes to the cap so i think they're trying to position their teams a little better especially if anyone's unhappy if they feel like anyone's unpaid it's not going to make a big enough difference they're going to go ahead and unload that trade I, i'm surprised the raiders haven't traded gabe jackson yet for example he's a he's a contract that i don't think they want anymore uh unfortunately they kind of have to keep him because of the offensive injury problems but if they had a full healthy line he would have been gone that would have been one of the bigger names i'm trying to think of anyone else although a lot of these have been unexpected so i think there's going to be one more trade that surprises us i just don't know who it is yet because the stuff's been pretty quiet especially because immediate coverage is a little tighter now because of covid it's not like they have free access to the facilities like they're used to like media guys so yeah that's my prediction one more big trade well, here's a trade that came down, Spence. I don't know how big it is, but we know how much the New England Patriots need receivers. The Dolphins are sending wide receiver Isaiah Ford to New England. Um, a rare interdivisional trade. The Dolphins will get a 2022 seventh-round pick back. More assets for the Dolphins. Uh, Ford has been starting in the slot for much of the season, and he's been one of the favorite targets of Ryan Fitzpatrick when he was in there. But the Dolphins, or I'm sorry, the Patriots, we know uh, desperately need help at receiver make a move within the division and Brian Flores and Bill Belichick with that relationship made an interdivisional move and uh, the Dolphins acquiring more assets. Uh, but look, Spence, a team like the Dolphins, like the Raiders with this expanded playoff spot. And I, and I talked about it, they're going to be in position to gather one of these playoff spots. And I think in this unique 2020 season, some of these teams think that you're a COVID a splash away, a COVID infection away from being in a position to upset a team in the playoffs, especially if your team is healthy and playing well, like the Dolphins or like the Raiders, um, where you can win a playoff game and put yourself in a position to upset a team like the Ravens, like the Chiefs. I think these teams believe in this season that anything can happen from week to week to put them in a position where they can be advantageous and knock off one of these power teams. Yeah, and we saw that in the NBA, right? The Miami Heat, you know, while they were okay for sure, they're not they're not a bad basketball team. No one predicted them to make the finals. And we saw the Clippers get uh, blow a 3-1 lead. That probably doesn't happen unless it's like an, a strange season like it is now. I mean, no, no discrediting to the Nuggets, but I mean, yeah, I, I can't imagine three home games for the Clippers, or I guess it would be four at that point, would have tipped this the series enough. So Assuming that we, we see the same trend of no fans, this is the season if you're a, a, a wild card team to make a run like the Giants did, in my opinion. Spence Avery Williams of the Jets linebacker, starting linebacker, goes from the 0 and 8 or the 0 and 7 Jets or 0 and 8 Jets to the uh, 8 0 Steelers. So it uh, wow. feels good for that guy going to a team that uh, was playing for nothing to a team for playing for everything. No kidding. <laughs> That'd be nice if you're a football player. I'm sure he's a lot happier now. Yeah, uh, that's Spencer the Wiz. I'm Brad the Believer. Catch our show, The Rest Stop, every Tuesday and Thursday, 9 o'clock Pacific time. Uh, we usually come to you to li live every Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, but with this election 2020, this is a pre-recorded show. But thanks for listening at our time every time, 9 to 10 o'clock. And if you miss any part of the show or you're going to work or from work or making a road trip, make sure you listen to the podcast version of The Rest Stop, and you can find that at any prop podcasting platform, whether it's Audio Boom, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Just search Landry Football Conference Call. The Rest Stop will be underneath that. That's our show. And, of course, go to LandryFootball.com and to watch any part of the show and download the Twitch app, support us there, Chris Landry Football and The Rest Stop. Spence, some more COVID news 
today. The Denver Broncos, Hall of Fame quarterback, general manager, John Elway, test positive for COVID. So it's just so wild and, and still such a question mark how people are contracting this COVID and where it's coming from. But John Elway uh, of the Broncos coming down with COVID positive today. Yeah, uh, again, uh, I think a lot of these guys, especially executives, I'm not saying that he's going out and partying, but he's around a lot of people. It's basically unavoidable at this point, you know. So I, I, I don't – and we all know how easy it is to contract the virus. And he he wor- probably works in a busy office and everything like that. It's it's the risk that every single person who opted into the season is going to take, and anyone at any moment could get it no matter how careful they are. That's what it comes down to. Spence, do we have any graphics for our picks this past week as we're going to recap some of uh, week eight in the NFL? And it was quite the interesting week, Spence. Let's start it it off with this first game that we have listed here. The Colts traveled to Detroit to take on the Lions. Uh, We both kind of like the Lions roster, and uh, we like Matthew Stafford. We like some of their pieces, and we thought they put together a couple of nice wins here lately. They started off. Well, had the lead again, as they always do in the first half against the Colts, but the second half they collapsed and uh, the Colts ended up blowing out the Lions, I believe 41-21. We were both on the Lions. We were believers, Spence, but uh, of course they came back down to earth and uh, showed us what they are year in and year out. Um, So (laughs) Colts, big win, important win for the Colts and and kind of a demoralizing loss for the Lions as they're looking to – be involved in the playoff discussion, or at least in this division. And this is a loss at home that they really, I wouldn't say couldn't afford to have, but one that they had kind of circled after winning a couple games as a winnable game. Yeah, this feels exactly like my Panthers prediction in that I thought they were going to, their hot streak was going to stop that week and then end up going the week after when it did. And I, I wrongly predicted this as well. I said the Lions would cool off. I just thought they'd get one more big win before they did. And I got caught at the wrong time. I did say this one was a coin toss. I was just on the wrong side of the coin. Yeah, and Phillip Rivers had a nice performance. He was 23 of 33, Spence, for 262 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Jordan Wilkins had 89 yards on the ground. Jonathan Taylor, 22, as the Colts combined for 119 yards on the ground. Niam Himes had a really nice performance through the air as he had three catches for 54 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Zach Paschal, the tight end, had 44 yards. So, look, the Colts found ways to get it done. Uh, They intercepted Matt Stafford one time, and it's just unfortunate because Matt Stafford had okay passing stats as he threw for 336 yards, but he was barely 50% uh, completion percentage, and and they just got taken to the woodshed in the second half. Stafford had a fumble in addition to that, and uh, 41-21 win for the Colts and a nice victory for them as they're trying to position themselves in that division to win that division. Next game, Spence, uh, this one definitely took me by surprise. And uh, for whatever reason, Vegas was right on top of it as the number continued to move in the Vikings' favor. Uh, The Vikings traveled to Lambeau Field with a depleted secondary, uh, and they have their best coaching performance, their best offensive everything performance, and they pretty much led from start to finish. And I wouldn't say dominated, but I would say they controlled most of that game in Green Bay. And they hold off a late charge from the Packers, and they get the 28-22 victory. Aaron Rodgers, an uncharacteristically 27-41. He's usually around 65-70% 
Uh, he had three touchdowns, no interceptions, but the story of the of the game was Dalvin Cook coming off an injury, 30 carries, 163 yards, three total touchdowns, actually four touchdowns total on the day as he had one through the air also. Kirk Cousins didn't have to do too much as he only threw the ball 14 times, 160 yards, one touchdown. Dalvin Cook was the story, though, Spence, as he had over 200 total yards and four touchdowns. The Vikings get the 28-22 victory. Spence, this is one, yeah, yeah, this is one I'm just willing to take like on the chest. I can't go. I couldn't imagine going back in time and trying to convince myself the game would have gone the way it did. So, if anyone wants just a, a small insight in the way I've been betting this season, I'm I'm not sixty percent now, but I'm closer to that average fifty five percent. I assume every game is going to go exactly how it, I think it is in my mind, and I do not deviate from that at all. Because if you start trying to predict funky games and games that shouldn't have happened, then I think you start picking a lot more wrong. This was the case. The Vikings just came out and they got themselves a win, and there's nothing <laughs> I I, uh, I could have done to uh, go against that. Well, it's 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 disgusting to me as a sports better spent and as a Vikings fan. It's just there's no rhyme or reason for this game to have happened the way it happens with so many injuries on the defense, trade rumors galore. Dalvin Cook, not a hundred percent, and they feed him thirty times like they're playing to win the division. And I don't understand up to this point how disappointing you've been as a team. You have an opportunity. I'm not saying tank. But you have an opportunity to position yourself in the draft. And now you want to go out there and play like you're fighting for a playoff spot. For what? To do what? I'm asking. I want to know what. Okay, are you going to get to the playoffs? Are you going to roll off 11 straight wins? Maybe. Maybe with that schedule you can do that. Well, then is your offensive line and Dalvin Cook going to hold up where you're going to feed him 30 times in the playoffs and just dominate? Well, what is your defense going to do at that point? You don't even have a healthy cornerback after this game. How this happened, I have no idea. Do I understand the look-ahead spot for Green Bay? Yes, you're coming into a short week to take on the 49ers, but you're at home, you're in a divisional matchup, and for this to happen is so inexcusable. And for the Vikings, like why? I just want to know what's what's going on. I Do I understand completely that players and coaches play to win every game you play? Absolutely. Where the F was this the previous five weeks? As you lose games and your defense is so bad, oh, now all of a sudden your guys get it. Now they get it defensively and the youth doesn't show up as much because guys are in the right spot. This is just such a head-scratching game for me, Spence. And how, how did Vegas know this? The line was moving there. What what information was going on where they knew that Mike Zimmer with a depleted secondary was going to come out and have this game plan? What was Dalvin Cook uh, just – what the F was going on where somebody could have possibly knew this game was going to play out like it did. It makes me believe fully that there's some kind of bullshit going on and (laughs) and the fix is in. I know this Vikings team better than anybody. You can't tell me uh, that you would have expected what happened to happen. Them to absolutely dominate the line of scrimmage. They haven't dominated the line of scrimmage the whole season. This is such bullshit to me that I can't barely stand to talk about it anymore. So we're going to move on. Patriots and Bills. And Spence, we kind of, this game played out kind of how we talked about it. Divisional matchup that could be close. I said that I changed last minute. I was initially on the Patriots. I just had a feeling 
with Bill Belichick in a divisional matchup that this game was going to come down to one possession. It did, and it just didn't go the way that we we had it. We thought the Bills would be able to win by one score, uh, but the hook got us, and we were on the wrong side of this one. You just another one that I'm just you just got to take. I'm not huge on the Patriots, and you know, kudos to them for actually being able to stay in this game quite well. I just can't, I just not have no confidence in the Patriots. So again, it's one of those things. If I gone back in time and tried to convince myself, I would have just said, I don't believe it. Yeah. And, and look, we could have been on the right side. It just is one of those divisional matchups that came down to a field goal and, and uh, the hook got us here. Uh, let's go to the next game, Spence. And this is another head scratching game. Tennessee. Yeah. I got this. If you look, I got it wrong. Sorry, real quick. <laughs> Obviously the Raiders covered in the middle game here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, but Spence, this next game, Tennessee versus um, uh, Tennessee versus the the Bengals. The Bengals, look, we've talked about how much we like Joe Burrow. I love Joe Burrow. I think he can keep you in, in any game, right? Um, but the Bengals, I think they realize they're probably not playing for a playoff berth this year. They're trying to set a foundation of what they want to do in the future. The Tennessee Titans, on the other hand, are clearly competing for one of the top spots in the NFL. And there's only one bye week this year in a division that they have to play and be focused every single week. Well, we know the Bengals have given up uh, an astronomical amount of yards rushing. Now, I didn't watch this game play for play to see how the flow went. uh, But to see the Bengals just come and score 30-plus points and dominate the Titans was surprising to me. And the Titans, this is a game they can't lose when you're fighting for a division and playoff seeding. And the Bengals beat their ass from start to finish. They were up double-digit points almost the whole game. And how do you excuse that if you're a Tennessee Titans defense and, and not just dominating the clock with your running game and play-action game? To allow the Bengals to have as, enough possessions to score 30 points just blows my mind. And for a Mike Vrabel coach team who has been consistent all year to let their team – uh, slip in this moment against the Cincinnati Bengals team is unexcusable. Yeah, it it was a bizarre game, and you know when you have a quarterback as influential as Joe Burrow, I mean, I guess you can technically do this any week. Now they do have some decent weapons on offense. I'm a fan of T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, not obviously Joe Mixon's good, but I think Joe Mixon was even out, which just adds to the strangeness of this game. Everything pointed in the Titans' favor. And even the Bengals are starting to sell some of their assets on the defensive line. I don't know. I don't know how this happens. It's, it's, this feels very similar to the Packers game to me in that how can you possibly predict this? Uh, it's crazy. Uh, the Bengals on third down were 10 of 15, which is unbelievable. But it's telling you they were in 15 third down situations. So that's unexcusable for your defense to allow a, a almost an 80% rate of conversions on third down the Bengals were put in 15 third down situations and they converted 10 of them um the the titans out yarded them by almost 100 yards uh their yards per play were 7.4 to the Bengals 5.3 um you know there wasn't a, a, a lot of there was only one turnover in the game and it was by the titans penalties were even and the Bengals dominated the time of possession, Spence, 30, almost 36 minutes to 24. How does that happen when you have the type of offense that you have? And it speaks more to the Titans not being able to get off the field on third down. The Bengals converting 10 of 15 on third downs and one of one on fourth down. Uh, they started off strong. They were up 17 to 7 at half, and, and they dominated the game, and they won 
31 to 20 in another head scratching game where the Bengals look like they're playing for a playoff spot. Yeah, it's <laughs> but you know, the Titans have have been playing a little inconsistent and you definitely saw that in the Steelers game. I know they're a good team and it I just thought they were going to be able to carry that momentum of the second half of the Steelers game, get back on track here, have a big win against a team that's definitely not that great, not looking for a playoff spot at all and they fell flat on their face. Unexpected of a, of a coach like Brable too. Yeah. Spence, I'm going to let you take the lead on this next one. The Raiders, hometown Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I like this one as an upset, and uh, I was on the right side. Uh, you're just not a believer in the Raiders against uh, bad teams. Well, they did what they were supposed to do against a team that a lot of people won't say is bad, but I have said it from the beginning. They're not as good as we thought they were. Uh, a nice road victory for the Raiders. Another really strange game, and I should have done more research, I suppose, but I've never seen a game that windy, I mean, at least in a very long time. That first kick that Carlson had, it looked bizarre, and you couldn't see the rain at first or the snow or whatever it was, and then once you zoom in, you're like, wow, it's really, there's some actual conditions here, and then you see the way the ball is influenced by the wind. Happened with Cleveland's kick at the end of the game as well. Baker was just unbelievably inaccurate, and so was Derek Carr, and this is a game that you can't really evaluate either team. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. There's no way I expected the Raiders to be more successful running than the Browns. Basically everything that I said that could have lined up in this game with the Browns favor did, and they just didn't execute on it. They should have been able to take advantage of the Raiders defensive line. Uh, and Josh Jacobs somehow like has the best game of the season. And well, Spence, Spence, that was, that's my question to you. Why, why did you think a Josh Jacobs led rushing attack but when in the creativity of John Gruden couldn't be more successful running than Cleveland. We know how good Josh Jacobs is. Yeah, I, I gave into the reports. I, I hate injury reports. I just don't believe them. I need to I almost want to just go off my own premonition because I said Miles Garrett was hundred percent. He was gonna get a full load against the Raiders, and obviously he looked at him on the field and he just was not he was nowhere near hundred percent. He he was out for long periods of time. So basically the report was just a straight lie. And I went off of that. If he was fully healthy. The game was close enough to where I think the Browns would have won. But, hey, the win somehow was in the Raiders' favor, even though the Browns should be used to those conditions. And the Raiders got a – it's not an impressive win, but they got a win that they should have, basically. There you go. Uh, Spence, the next game, what do you do here in a 20-point spread? I mean, look, I, on, the show, on the show, I predicted a final score of 35-17. I was as close as you can get without being correct – as far as a spread standpoint, 35 to nine was, was the final. And uh, it's just a tough way to go either way. You hate laying 20 points with the chiefs. You definitely don't want to bet at any time on an O and eight team uh, that has no hope. So it kind of went how we thought we just decided to take the 20 points and it didn't work out for us. Yeah. The game really ended and I, I was sweating as soon as I saw it. three possessions in the red zone for the jets, three field goals that cemented the game. If they didn't get a touchdown there, they weren't going to do it later in the game. They couldn't even get a garbage time touchdown of all things. I don't know. I went off a historical data on this one. Like I said, last week with the Broncos Jaguars game in 2013 or 2012, where it was a 28 point spread ended up being a 17 point game and it didn't work out. Yes, yeah, Spence, it's, it's, it's tough to say if you're on the right or wrong side of a matchup like this. Um, like you said, we kind of uh, went with what we thought the data was. And like you said, with those run, red zone trips, it could have went the other way and we could have got 
a cover and the Chiefs still would have won comfortably. It just didn't work out that way in this game. And that's a tough game to bet. Anytime you have a, a three-score spread in the NFL, it's tough to go with the favorite. But this time it, it worked out if you were a Chiefs backer. And for us here on the show, it didn't work out for us. Spence, let's go to the next round of games. I believe Rams and Dolphins is next on. We were on opposite sides here. Uh, you just got to be a believer in Brian Flores and the Dolphins because they play hard and, and they outwork teams every week, regardless of, of how talent depleted they may be. We know how well coached they are, and it seems to show this week as their defense really carried them at home and getting a nice win against the Rams. Yeah, they, there were two keys to this game. Turnovers, I'll just address the obvious one here. Four turnovers from Jared Goff in the first half. That's you just one of the chances of that happening. It really kind of felt unfortunate. And once you're down that many scores, there's no way you're going to come back. I mean, your confidence is shot, especially Jared Goff. He played okay at the end of the game. I, I don't see that the Dolphins, you know, causing four turnovers a week. I'm still sticking with the thought that I'm, I'm going against Tua for the first few weeks of his starting until I really see something. He played okay. I'll give him that. He wasn't bad by any means, but he got so much help from his defense that I just don't think you're going to see that consistently. And that bleeds into number two for me. Brian Flores was the defensive coordinator against Jared Goff in the Super Bowl. Duh, I should have thought about that. He already, already has a game plan against a Rams roster that's like almost identical. So, yep, I, I just walked into the – I walked right into that one. Uh, Spence, we were on the right side of this next game, both of us in unison as the Bears were at home against uh, the Saints. The Saints did have a lead in that game, and the Bears still – uh, don't look like they're anything impressive. But with the Saints having Emmanuel Sanders and Michael Thomas out, it's just too many points to want to back the Saints. And uh, the Bears did take it to overtime, and they covered that four-and-a-half-point line. They lost, I believe, 23-20 in that matchup. Yeah, this one was pretty straightforward. We called it – I mean, yeah, we were both pretty much on the same page. Without those two weapons, if both of them were there, you know, I, I definitely would reconsider. But the, the Bears' defense is enough to keep them close in games. Really, they should have won the game outright. It's kind of embar- It's actually really embarrassing that they did, and they're really falling apart. Everyone knew that they were a glass house at their record of like 4-0 or whatever. It's going to keep falling down. I think it's going to skyrocket down too, unless they can beat. They have to match up with an, a bad offensive team. And, yeah, that's what it came down to. Is they, I knew they weren't going to win, but 4.5 was too much for that game without the Saints having all their guys. Yeah, we were right on there. Uh, the next game, Spence, uh, divisional matchup. And I, I was a little surprised to see the inconsistency of the 49ers. Uh, look, we we know it's really hard to ever bet against Russell Wilson. We've talked about uh, continuously on this show how good Russell Wilson is and how he makes that St- Seahawks team click. Uh, but the 49ers losing Garoppolo again to injury, George Kittle the injury, we didn't realize you know, how banged up those guys were. And Seattle dominated this one to start to finish. We were just on the wrong side. Well, and this game was the injuries, right? Garoppolo and Kittle played the whole game. If I'm not mistaken, they went in the third quarter. I don't know when they got injured, actually. I I, I think it was the third quarter. The game was close to start out with, obviously. I, I do think the 49ers would have been within three points if those two guys were healthy. And now the 49ers have a short week, losing two of their most important guys once again. It doesn't look good for the 49ers. No, it doesn't look good at the, for them at all. And they've been battling injuries on both sides of the ball most of this year. So... Look, I'm not saying that they're ready to throw in the towel, but with all these injuries, they got to start looking at next season because I think their playoffs hopes with this loss are going to be only downhill from this point. And the Seahawks continue to roll, Spence. 
And uh, if it weren't for a pass interference penalty against Arizona, they'd be undefeated. Uh, but Russell Wilson is always going to give you a chance to win. And I think that's why the Seahawks have to be one of the favorites to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl this year uh, with a short list of a couple other teams. Spence, let's uh, finish off uh, the, the late round of games as we've got a few more here to the Dallas Cowboys. We thought the number was too big and it was close most of the game on Sunday night as the Ben DiNucci, the third string quarterback, played at James Madison, originally was a, a pit product. Look, he looked like he showed some athleticism, but he he was so inconsistent and could not complete important passes and could not lead touchdown drives. And we just realized how bad they are now at that position without Dalton, without Prescott, and they just could not generate anything. Their defense played competitive for most of the game, uh, but the number was not big enough as it just took 60 minutes in Philadelphia. Uh, eventually, <laughs> with defense and with turnovers, took control of that game and they covered the spread. Not an impressive performance by either team, but that's just how bad Dallas is without Dak Prescott. Spence? Oh, uh, well, Spence will be – Hey, sorry about that. Sorry about that. I cut out for a second. Um, Yeah, so uh, for this game, all I have to say is I banked on Andy Dalton playing, and he didn't. Again, I I hate injury reports. I wish they wouldn't even just make him, and I could just – like go statistically, like if you have a head injury, that like this is what's going to happen. I, I almost want to just make my own chart and do off of that. I, I didn't, I had no confidence in, in their backup quarterback to keep them within the game. So again, another just miscalculation injury wise on my part for this week. Well, with a divisional matchup, it was pretty, pretty big number. Um, and look, we were on the right side for most of it. Just didn't, just couldn't hold up. Spence next one, a divisional matchup. I, I looked like uh, right in this divisional matchup, but the chargers probably should have won and covered that game. But I told you that we you just can't trust the Chargers as a favorite, and they're just so inconsistent. They give up big leads week after week, and somehow they let Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos back into that game and win. They lost outright. 21-point lead. I can get like maybe even 14 points or something, but you give up a three-score lead, and you somehow lose the game. It's it's almost comical. It doesn't seem possible that, that this could happen. They found a way. I hate the Chargers so much. (laughs) (laughs) Spence, it is head-scratching. How do they continue to find a way to blow big leads? And they did here again in division, and this team is never going to be ready to to take the next step as they do this. And the the writing's going to be on the wall for Anthony Lynn to be fired. He's going to be gone after this year. The way this team is blowing leads. There's no excuse for it. He should be fired already. How do you – have they have a legitimate playoff roster in my opinion i wasn't sure how good herbert would be but he proved he's to played be pretty damn significantly well. better yeah yeah he he can put in this expanded format i'll say at least that's a playoff team their defense is certainly good enough their offense looks good enough so what the heck's going on scheme wise that's allowing teams to come back it's unexcusable and a uh, nice win for Vic Vangio and the Broncos. But what do you do if you're a Chargers fan and if you're in that Chargers locker room? Uh, you've got to be throwing your hands in the air with all of these blown leads. Spence, uh, the next one, what a lot of people thought was the game of the day. And again, you're on the right side. You've been a Steelers backer and I just will not give in. And if you look <laughs> at it statistically, Ben Roethlisberger only had 182 yards in the air. They only had 48 yards as a team rushing did the Steelers but they somehow win this game 28-24 and it, by outscoring Baltimore 14 to nothing in the third quarter spent how do how does Baltimore lose this game with with the Steelers 
not even rushing for 50 yards. I just don't get this. I mean, let, let's dive in deeper into, into the stats. Uh, Baltimore was 8 of 15 on third down. The Steelers were 3 of 9, not even 30% barely on third down. The Ravens had 79 plays to the Steelers 50. They out yardage the Steelers 457 to 221. Spence, how does this happen? How do how did the Ravens lose this game? The divisional game uh, is what it comes down to for me. Um, yeah, four I mean, turnovers, four turnovers by the Ravens. Right, and I again that goes to that idea that I think on paper the Steelers might not seem like the best defense, but they're able to just come up in big spots, and they did that exactly here. And I've even said I don't think the Steelers go undefeated. I do think they have some sort of like downslope for they've been winning too many close games. I don't think you can win every close game, at least just from a statistical standpoint. And it just came down to a close game and the defense was able to make the stop when they needed to. And the offense made a touchdown when they needed to. And that's why I believe in this team so much. I think they will make a run in the playoffs. I know you think they're going to get pounced in the first round. They will. Spence, the (laughs) statistics tell me everything that I've already said. And they're pulling the Fugazi on you and everybody. They got dominated statistically in this game. They are not as good as people think they are. The Ravens gave them the game. The Steelers are sitting fat fat and happy at 8-0. Oh, we're so good. We're the Steelers. The Steelers will get beat in the first round. I want you to play this clip. Over and over again when the playoffs come and the Steelers get bounced immediately in the playoffs. Nobody's going to care about what I say then because I've been saying it all year. The Steelers, they will not go undefeated. I will be betting against them consistently unless it's a a complete mismatch. But I will get value on them. I just hope some bank or somebody lends me enough money in that spot on the money line. You're taking a loan out for this? Spence, I, I, I've got to follow the schedule, but there's going to be a time where they're a five, six point favorite and they will absolutely lose. I've got to look at the schedule. It won't be against a Cleveland team, but maybe it'll be against Cincinnati and Joe Burrow. We know what Joe Burrow can do. So I will be following the Steelers closely as I go against them week after week as they've showed me <laughs> not enough. You've lost so many times saying that, though. <laughs> Spence, I know. What could my record be if I would just get off some of these teams? <laughs> Yeah, well, you'd have you, like five more wins, I think. I know. Well, I'll tell you another team who's on my on my S list the rest of the season. We know that I won't be backing the Steelers ever. I rarely will be backing the Browns or the Bears. Well, you know who else is added to that list? The Vikings. They screwed me royally last week. I will never bet them again. So you might as well. We know where I'm going with four games every week. Okay. And the Vikings disgustingly you not do that. did it again. Well, it's you happening. It's that. happening, okay, Spence? <laughs> and I don't know what happened to you this week, but you decided you wanted yeah. to follow in my footsteps with a 2-11 and 11 record, Spence. I thought yeah. it wasn't possible. Without a doubt. I knew it was going to happen. And, again, I, I mentioned this early in, in the podcast and that I'm not going to change. This isn't changing my opinion on any of the teams this week. There's always going to be one anomaly every year. I bet as if there's no anomaly. So I, I do not bet to hit up 100% of my – my bets every week. I hope they do, of course, but I'm willing to take the losses for abnormalities because if I start trying to guess on where the strange things are going to happen, I'm going to end up with more weeks where I only win two games and everything like that. No, Spence, look, I'm giving you a hard time. I, I, I'm still with you 100%. Uh, nobody is, 
should jump off your bandwagon yet. You've been at 60% most of the year. This is one of those weeks was just crazy. Uh, the underdogs won outright almost in every situation this week, Spence, whether it was the Bengals, the Packers, uh, the Raiders, the Dolphins. I mean, it was just an underdog week. And then some of the dogs that we thought were going to keep it close. Yeah. <laughs> uh, didn't. And look, you were on the right side of the Steelers. That was one of your wins. Uh, it was just a tough week. And look, we know the Chargers blew a 21-point lead. So you had a tough week. But look, you're still going to be right around 60%, I believe, here in the next couple of weeks. I think you're going to bounce back. Uh, I still didn't have a great rec- record this week uh, as I'm terrible. But I had a few more wins than you did. Uh, but I, I feel like a lot of my analysis is spot on for the most part. H- how do you expect a Titans team to lose to a Bengals yeah. de- defense who, who sells? So. Um, I don't think we're too far off base. I think we have the analysis kind of right on, and we just got to stick with it. I think we're going to have a few good weeks uh, where where we're way above 50% uh, as we go into the second half stretch of the season. And uh, just keep listening to us here at the rest stop every Thursday as we have our pick segment, and hopefully coming this Thursday as we figure out what's going to happen with the election 2020. We'll have one of our listeners back on to take on the whiz and the believer in our pick segment. And Spence, we're at this point here in the professional sports season where basketball's in the offseason, hockey's in the offseason. We just crowned a winner in uh, Major League Baseball. It's full throttle with football right now and college football in that as well as we're going to have Pac-12 football back as far as college football, UNLV here locally. They had a disappointing loss against University of Nevada, Reno. And real quickly on that, Spence, I think this UNLV defense may be the worst in the entire landscape of college sports. Yeah. And and I just want to say, at least in defense of Marcus Arroyo here is obviously he starts in the middle of the pandemic. He's a brand new team. He brings in his own recruiting class, which was highly touted. Turns out a lot of guys who you thought were going to play opted out of the season. The Mountain West does have a privacy clause, so you don't know who's going to play until the game, the actual day of the game. Like nothing gets leaked, is what I'm trying to say. It's not like TJ Otzelberger, if you you guys follow UNOV, who actually inherited a great basketball team. Not great, it sounds a little, that's a little too much. A very good basketball team, a top three roster. And I have very high expectations for him this year, actually. And if he's not top three, I think he should get fired. Uh, given the roster. But to go back to Marcus Arroyo, obviously there's a lot of deficiencies. Uh, they got to figure out the quarterback position. They still don't know who's going to be the starter from week to week. This is a throwaway season for me. I, I will reserve judgment until next season, which I know it sounds crazy to say that only two games in. Uh, I just know I don't see anything. Yeah, I just don't see anything getting I don't see anything getting better for UNLV this season. So I'm just going to watch every game for what it is, but just throw it in the garbage bin. Well, Clemson had a scare this past Saturday as they took on Boston College as a four-touchdown favorite, and they, they were losing most of that game. Uh, came back in the second half and got the win. But Clemson, the number one-ranked team in the nation, will be again without Trevor Lawrence as they take on top-10 Notre Dame this coming Saturday. So it should be an interesting matchup uh, this Saturday as college football will be in full effect, getting more conferences in play. Uh, so it's going to be close and fun to watch. And some of these players will be positioning themselves for the 2021 draft. Ohio State had a nice victory against Penn State. So college football is going to be ramping up, Spence, and we'll see if some of these other teams can get in the mix of the playoff conversation in this very weird 2020 pandemic football season. Spence, before we sign out, we'll preview this Thursday night's game uh, coming up 
Short and weak, no Garoppolo for San Francisco, no George Kittle. Can the Packers get back, back on track with a victory? They've had some COVID test positive, may not have any healthy running backs, uh, but I still got to lean towards the Packers. Aaron Rodgers against a backup quarterback. I think the Packers want to get on the right track. The Packers can't really afford to lose another game back-to-back and give themselves three losses on the season. So I've got to lean towards the Packers in this short week, Spence. You know, I think it's a short line, if I'm not mistaken. It's like five and a half, I believe, if I checked before the show. I get it. I mean, you don't have running backs, but Devontae Adams has really been that good. No Richard Sherman still, I believe, for the 49ers. No Jimmy Garoppolo. No George Kittle. There's no way. I, I, we saw an Eagles team beat an injury-riddled 49ers, and again, that's nothing against them. It's just That's just how their roster is right now. They just don't have a lot of healthy guys. I, I'm looking all over the Packers here, and I, I say that every—I feel like I say that every week, and they find a way to disappoint, especially last week. I'm going to say that they find a way to just completely dominate this game, and I think it's a major blowout. Well, I think they get back on track. Devontae Adams had another good game this past week. I do think it's high scoring. I'm, I'm not willing to say the Packers are going to blow out the 49ers, but I do think they get back on track with a victory. Spence, before we sign out, I got to get you on for one more big prediction. Spence, election 2020. Give us your prediction. Who wins this thing tonight? Is it by? Oh, it may not gosh. be the tonight, but who do you think? Are you really? Oh, man. I, I don't want your personal opinion who you're going to vote for, but as a whole, who do you think has a chance to win this thing? Do you think it's close? Yeah, I do. Th- I actually do think it's close, and I hate polls because obviously they were all wrong last time. Uh, I think this could be the end of polling, actually, as we know it, or it's going to have to be a significantly restructured system. Uh, with that said, I think Donald Trump uh, ends up winning. I think he gets a big showing. Spence, today. I'm going to go. Up, I'm going to go upset special. Kanye West. <laughs> Kanye West. I'm Brad the Believer. Uh, I want to thank my man Spencer the Wiz. I'm Brad the Believer. If you miss any part of the show, go to LandryFootball.com or any of your podcasting platforms, audio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Landry Football, Conference Call, and the rest stop. Enjoy your election 2020. We'll be back live on Thursday. Have a great night. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.